Storymakers. I'm Angie Powers. I'm Elizabeth Stark. And this is Storymakers Show. And today we are so excited because we've just come back from a fabulous vacation in lovely Southern California. We did the full-on theme park, family, America vacation thing. Yes, we did. Sponsored by Angie's mom. Yes. Very, Thank you, mom. Yeah, really awesome. And um, just to be clear, we have a 10 and an 11-year-old who are the center of this Yeah, no, <laughs> it wasn't. Yeah. Although, I actually had a really good time. Yeah, I actually also did, and I really was worried about the lines and the whole sort of thing and it was um once you gave up riding rides it became a totally different experience (laughs) (laughs) we rode like crazy i went on an upside down roller coaster for the first time in my entire life so that's breaking congratulations right that's trying something new keep it growing but so one of the things i wanted to talk about is story because story really drives these things and um not only does everybody's love of story drive them to these theme parks right so like one of the nights we're watching fireworks on the roof of the hotel and this this uh pair of folks next to us are talking in some kind of like deep south accent about all the different pixar movies and how much they love them right and just like how and I think that's so that's a big pull. And also more and more the rides themselves, or maybe not more and more, but like they're really developed around story. Well, certainly when you look at how these places are developed to immerse someone in an environment and an experience. So we went to Harry Potter World at Universal Studios. Yeah. And we were all very struck by the detail that went into these buildings and um, the create the creative vision mm-hmm. i mean her jk rowling's right but also the designers and mm-hmm. yeah and so it was just it was interesting because i think even before harry potter world and you go and you look at the rides that had predated you know it's interesting because the pixar section of disney is revamping old rides and so those old rides had their own uh following Yes. So, for example, the history of the Tower of Terror was originally a Twilight Zone Tower of Terror, mm-hmm. right? And so there was that storyline or a series of storylines associated with it. And now it's the Guardians of the Galaxy breakout. And um, and it's interesting because, of course, Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, it's fun to think you're part of that storyline. And I certainly remember as a kid, like, developing you know, my own sense of what Oz was like and seeing what I could imagine being there. And so these are actually places that take a, an imaginative moment and make them somewhat solid. And uh, and yet I think there's still, I hope and believe, there's still a lot of room for imagination within them. Nope. <laughs> so we wanted to sort of look at what we maybe learned from uh, Universal Studios and Disneyland for our own and and whatever American California Adventure, all these theme parks. What we learned that we might mm-hmm. be integrating now into our own work. And yet, we're gonna pause that so that we can talk about what we're working on now. <laughs> right, I have just sort of um, done a deep dive into this revision that I've been 
planning and massaging and I had a great talk with my agent about the plan and kind of got the go ahead and um, and so I'm I'm doing it and it's it's a lot of it is um, there's a, it's sort of it's toggling between the sort of mechanical editing and then oh this moment has to change and I have to drop into the voice and drop into the character and open up that that moment or tweak that paragraph but um, I'm pretty excited about it right on how about you well I am slowly working on the next screenplay and and what 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 is that what's your what was your what were you doing last night so I'm actually taking class with Scott Myers, who is part of, um, you know, who was originally going to story. He also has sort of a associated with Blacklist. Great blog. Definitely check out going to story. Um, so I'm taking a class because I was taking so long to get started. And I think sometimes you take a class not because the information is new, but because the framework is one. It's like, oh my gosh, I've just plunked down this money and I need to actually commit yeah i mean there's absolutely no way like we we got up at five in the morning or whatever to get on the airplane yesterday and there's just no way you would have like sort of spontaneously been like i'm gonna work on my screenplay for a few hours this evening and there's no way i would have been like great i'll just clean the house <laughs> and unpack while you do that unless you had a class right yes and so it's it's been fun so last night we were sort of doing some uh, outlining work and it's funny it's a lot of the similar tools you just you see the same kinds of tools like over and over, and everybody has their own kind of. I mean, take ours on them. is spectacular. Yeah, and so, so original, completely different. Um, but well, I mean, actually, I, no. Let me just back up. Everybody does have their own take, and that's the other value of taking classes because you can look at something that you've seen before, worked with before, and someone will have their own take that might open it up in a new way. So I mean, I'm um, really glad that we're offering something that we also seek out as professionals. Right. And I think that's part of the reason why we have an outstanding student community of people mm -hmm. who are publishing and people who are, you know, just love reading and love story. And I, you know, I think that we're offering something always on our own edge of what we most want and need mm -hmm. um, because that's how we know it matters. Right. So basically what I was actually wanting to sort of say about where I am in this process is, you know, you get these original inklings, and I don't mean original in like unique, I mean original in the thing that kicks off the project Origin. for you. Origin. And um, they sound pretty good at the time, right? They seem really reasonable or Especially high stakes enough <laughs> or whatever. Or like, oh, that's quirky, that'd be fun. Um, and, you know, it's very simple to take that, that next question, which is to say, um, is this sort of big enough? Is the bad guy a big enough bad guy? And so... Mm -hmm. Is this big enough? Um, you know, because so, you're going to spend time, right? You're going to spend time with film. Ooh, you're yeah. certainly going to spend money. You're spending this commitment to this story, which doesn't mean, like, if your story doesn't get huge or whatever, it's not going to be enough but even within the context of your story so i had a bad guy who was sort of local in one way and i realized that the things that really are driving it aren't the issues that are somehow locked into the small community but is in fact something our whole nation is in conversation with yeah. and so looking at um bad guys false bad guys false allies and 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 so 
those are starting to come up in response to the question, how do you make this bigger? Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's been it's kind of exciting because something I thought was gonna be maybe the end is now a midpoint. Um, which I always think is, is great, right? Like there's a way in which I always feel like it's you can sort of, you're digging in, you're digging in, not you personally, but like one is digging into a story and sometimes it does feel like, oh, wait a minute, this is really juicy. Like mm-hmm. uh, maybe this isn't the end. Yeah. Yes. So that's what I've been working on. All right then. So um, maybe we'll just, since we sort of got to chat a bit about Disney, we'll just talk about um, what we might imagine that we might take from the our experience into our own work and again not just disney and it's it's interesting because these are rides of course designed by people who work for film companies mm-hmm. so um definitely i think i left feeling much more invested in production design and and the impact mm. of production design um even for a really independent film. Right, films. right. Which you always, you always talk about, right? Like, because there's so much opportunity for these, these sort of visual background clues and cues to be mm-hmm. so vibrant and important in film. I, and and so, so also sort of maybe off topic for like my books, but probably not if I dig in more. But like, okay, so you have to wait in line a certain amount, even if you have a fast pass. Um, and so they've done a really great job of making the lines themselves the beginning of the experience and there's all kinds of entertainment and you're kind of on this journey and the set of those is, is vivid. And, and I think, you know, so, I mean, just in any aspect of, of storytelling, but also in terms of, um, say business, like bringing people into a community saying, okay, this is book writing world or book in a year or cinema County writers camp or whatever. Like what is your way in and how do you, how do you hear from us? And, Mm -hmm. Um, just what's the whole experience, even the waiting part, like? You know, and why not be in a, in an exciting, story-driven relationship with people the whole time? Or, in, you know, creative-driven, whatever. So anyway. Yeah. That. But okay, so it's so okay. Production design. Thinking about the world. Well, I think about really what's at base and what drives that is very often... Um, I think people want to participate. Like you, this would not be financially viable if there wasn't a desire to participate in these worlds, in these communities, really, <laughs> and to see yourself as friends with Harry Potter, friends with Star Lord, friends with uh, Gamora. You know that you're looking at um, wanting to participate and be part of the action. Mm-hmm. And so when I thought, when I was thinking about this, when we were talking about the narrative as it was playing out in our lines, um, that there are certain cues, there were visible, visible cues that got you into the mindset. So um, one of the things I loved writing the Incredicoaster at Disney World, at Disneyland, was that... Um, actually California Yes, it's California Adventure, uh, Disney's California Adventure TM. Um, but one of the things I loved about that ride and the design of the ride is that, uh, you know, there was a very particular aesthetic to the film that was mid-century. They really brought it to the way things were built. Mm-hmm. Uh, they brought the narrative to the entire ride. So you're going through on a narrative process 
But one of the things that was really crucial was sound. And in fact, that you get to hear conversations. But for me, the thing that stuck with me actually was Jack Jack's laughter at the end. And I just I loved this playful mm-hmm. little kid. Um, and so thinking about as you're working on something, even if it's all prose, like are you using all the available senses when you're mm-hmm. introducing that world? Are you creating an environment that your reader can really sink into and be surrounded by. I just also, right before we left, went to this exhibit at the De Young Museum where they have um, in that tower with the big glass windows everywhere, um, they play a 20 minute soundtrack from a film that was never made, right? It was, anyway, it was, it was, a, it was, um, or whatever, what is it called? When they request something, they commissioned it. And, um, from you know Lucas Sound, anyways, and it was really cool, and it was actually actually it was sort of like oh well we we experienced this in the Young and the Incredicoaster, yes. <laughs> um, and then during the time that I was there, I taught an online class um, on the emotional roller coaster of scene, and we actually looked at different kinds of emotional moments, and then finally at um, moving from like a moment of extreme joy in a scene to a moment of like a pan- panic and anger in the Silver Linings playbook, um, book, book. <laughs> and, um, and that, you know, is, I mean, that experience is created for you on these rides too, where it's like, okay, we're going really slowly or we're even stopped, right? Like in the Incredicoaster, we're totally stopped. And then it's like five, four, three, two, one, boom. Mm-hmm. Or whatever. One, two, three, anyway. And, <laughs> and then, you know, we, and they even right before we went upside down, they kind of So I see the down. characters really just stuck for you. <laughs> But the pace, I'm talking pace. Yeah. And I'm saying like, and you don't do it all, if, if you know, you have to have that big up, 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 we're going up, we're going up, we're going up, and the up is promising this down, mm-hmm. right? And in some of the older rides, you go up, 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 and go down like an inch, and you'd be like, it was like humor almost, right? To have oh my that. gosh, Leo. What? Well, that's what Leo did in Splash Mountain. You take that first big one up, and he, when he you like, couldn't see it, he would be like, ah! And you were like, oh, and it was like, splish. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's, you know, so anyway, so just really understanding expectations and varying the pace, of, but but in a way where when you're in a slow uphill climb narratively, you know, you can't, you know, like what goes up must come down. Right, right. I think that, um, you know, everybody will come away with different ideas about what we need to sort of focus on. But I think that's one of the things that I miss, and sometimes it's hard for me to get engaged with a story, is when I don't have cues that really trigger for me a sense of the world. So Mm -hmm. I'll have, you know, voice can bring along a lot of information with it, um, and I will follow a voice for a certain amount, but I know it doesn't take a lot, and it's that interesting piece between what the reader creates and what the author provides and that the world gets created between the two, but that the author has to give enough. Right. Um, I have, I've talked about this before, but I have a very clear vision of what Glinda's army looks like surrounding the Emerald City when it's been taken over by Ginger. And, you know, part of it's influenced by the music I was listening to at the time and part of it's influenced by 
the things that I had when I was younger. You know, what, what did I actually have to draw on to create these images right, right. with? So I think that it's interesting as we go into a more virtual reality world, uh, we're still on the other side of the Uncanny Valley. I think we still see people... So the Uncanny Valley is that separation between uh, organic and inorganic. So when you look at a robot, you can tell it's a robot. Even the best robots at this particular point, you can tell. And you may not know that you can tell, even if it's a really well done one, but there'll be something that triggers an unease in you. And it's that separation between what is sort of a natural, organic, human way of being and what is simply a mimic of that. Mm -hmm. And so we have some actual sense of that and, and recognize that. But in the three-dimensional worlds that go on these rides, right, and the rides don't actually go anywhere, and parts of your senses are fooled, but some of them aren't. That's why you get And you sick. get sick, and it's, you know, and it doesn't feel quite as exciting, at least to me, as being in the actual world. Right. And so I think Even it's, when the world is... Even when the actual world is is a sort of paper mache world, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's more obviously quote-unquote fake than like a filmed reality, and yet it's also more clearly three-dimensional than a filmed 3D right space yeah so exciting all right it's time for now that we've done a whole episode on stealing from theme parks still this okay so, well i will just say we're about to do um sonoma county writers camp and the theme is genre mm -hmm. and um so we're looking at what we can beg, borrow, and steal from all the genres. What do we? What are what matters? And what do we need to pull? Um, and so, um, and so, this world building piece is actually one really strong piece for me. And I just read "Never Let Me Go" by Shigeru, and um, one of the big pieces was the characters figuring out sort of who they were and what was going on, and also me figuring it out as a reader, right? And so that um so that question of like what is going on here which can be in a, the most realistic fiction right you're like what happened what's going to happen but then it takes on these added dimensions if if there are some elements of the world that go beyond the known world right if they're invented and um and i know you have to be delicate about it you can't sort of have you can't have no rules you have to set up new rules so um so yeah, so I guess I'm thinking about that and thinking about, um, you know, what to be very clear about and what to let the characters and the reader really wonder about. How about you? Um, you know, I think I'm going to just focus on sound mm. for a while and think about that as I'm applying it to my writing. You often write listening to music haven't in a while oh. and it's really interesting to see how i struggle because if i when i put music it's i i am immersed like music for me immediately immerses me i remember talking to jeanne who can't have 
background music in that same way. Jean Stark Yochman. Because she, I mean, that's, that would be like someone reading in the background, I think, to me, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, oh, how do I write with someone reading in the background? Mm -hmm. Um, So, but for me, music is so physical that it does help me be more spontaneous in my do you ever experience. think like wait a minute i need to change this music because i need to go in a different mm-hmm. direction absolutely yeah yeah well immerse yourself in worlds and sounds in crazy american theme parks Woohoo! and um let's see uh that's about it <laughs>